All right, everybody, welcome back to T's and TD's, another episode, conference championship previews as we get ready for these two mammoth games, Bengals going to Kansas City and the 49ers traveling to Los Angeles to face the Rams. We're joined by the reporters, so to speak, Jim Madalinski and Aaron Martin. Jim, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Coming down from the high of the greatest football weekend in a long time. So I'm doing very good. Very good. Very, very silly. And then uh, Aaron Martin's here and you know, Aaron, we're all TV guys. So I'm going to, I'm going to pass along hosting duties to you here just temporarily. I will take them back uh, for a minute here, but uh, first of all, how are you doing? And second of all, uh, we're going to, we're going to let you sort of facilitate the reactions here as I, as I hydrate and and work through some of these tears. Well, I'm going to one up Jim on this and say, it wasn't just the most amazing or one of the most amazing weekends in football history. It was the most amazing weekend in football history hands down and that's what we want to start off with because there was a lot of emotions tied into this all of america was watching and diehard bills fan david kaplan uh, was sitting there watching this all unfold and his heart breaking into a million little pieces as it did david what was that like particularly as we got toward the end of that game and we just saw score after score after score so when Gabriel Davis scored the touchdown with a minute and 54 seconds. I check my phone because I was staying away from it since I was on a little bit of a delay and everybody's like people I haven't heard from in years are like, Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. And the one thing I kept texting over and over again, I, I even, I included it three times. My thumbs were moving a mile a minute. I said, not over, not over, not over. And everybody was like, okay, I understand. I understand. Then Tyree Kill does what Tyree Kill does. And I'm not going to lie to you. The way that that game was going, I was pretty convinced. We have all three timeouts. We couldn't stop them, but they can't stop us. My, my heart told me that the game wasn't over. And so watching Josh bring it down and then that – drive just being so quick and awesome the 17 play drive earlier on in the quarter was i was already like still vibing so hard off of that i was just so happy about that so then yeah so then we score you know we drive down i'm freaking out oh my god oh my god i'm 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 like this is awesome then romo who just romo says the squib thing and i'm like yeah this we're gonna squib it and then tyler bass kicks it all the way into the end zone and i think to myself oh god like I, I, I had a, I never convinced myself even with 13 seconds left that the game was over. So, so you actually had it in your mind that Mahomes is going to find a way in two plays to get it 40 plus yards down the field. I, I, I don't, I just, maybe I'm a self-deprecator and just hate myself. I just, there were, I just, I wasn't going to believe it was over until triple zeros. I just wasn't. And even when Josh, there was the shot of like Josh hugging Gabe Davis and like just everybody on the sideline going nuts. When we didn't squib that, Romo said something else about why are they rushing three or why are they rushing four and not three. I just, I don't know. There was something about it that that gave me bad feelings. <clears throat> they go down. My heart is like Bucker might miss this because Bucker missed an extra point and Bucker missed a, barely missed, uh, he almost ba- missed another extra point, barely made another field goal. 
and he made it. And my, I finally checked my phone. I, the, the 75 text messages were a mix between congratulations and, oh my God, the half, the first half was congratulations. The second, so I'm glad I didn't check my phone. And then this is such a long story of just immense sadness, but I, I texted everybody. I said, if we don't win the coin toss, we're not going to win. And I texted you guys, get ready for a whole, I even texted you guys. I said, get ready for a whole narrative of should NFL overtime be changed? I texted you that before the game was over because I just had this sinking feeling if we didn't lose the coin toss. Josh should have called tails. Tails never fails. He was nine and oh on coin tosses before the year, uh, before this game happened. Um, I am filled with immense sadness. This isn't a Bills podcast, so we we won't go crazy into it. We're probably going to lose both of our coordinators, but we're going to bring back an incredible amount of the same personnel and successful personnel. And we're gonna we're gonna make it to the AFC Championship game, and we're gonna win it one of these days. And and that's just how I feel. It's been a whole ups and downs of feelings, and it's been very very sad. I kept saying I'm sad, I'm sad, I'm sad, but. I am so glad that Josh Allen is the quarterback of the Buffalo Bills and will be for at least the next seven years after this. And I just can't wait to see, you know, what happens with this team. Sadness. Yes. Felt like just a crazy heavyweight fight. Yes. Nobody who's listening wants to hear five minutes on this, but needless to say, uh, we're going to be fine, which is fine. But right now it's still like, 13 seconds is just going to live in infamy in Buffalo history. I tweeted during the game and I, and the more I've thought about this in the days after the more I, I believe it, Alan Mahomes is on an indefinite track to be Brady Manning again for this next generation. I mean, just watching those two operate, you figure even when Alan loses a step or slows down a little bit in, in four or five years, he's still so deadly with his arm and it's just so much fun to watch as a Steeler fan, it makes me terrified that we're done for a while and it's going to be just like we were before. Um, ben came along and always trying to get past Brady or Manning in the playoffs that never really went well. Um, but those two are incredible, incredible talents that we're going to see over and over and over again. Yeah, and I completely agree with that. I mean, as a fellow Steeler fan like Jim, you just rank the quarterbacks. I mean, it's, it's what some order of Mahomes, Allen, Burrow, Herbert, Oh, you figure Mason Rudolph's probably in there somewhere, but it's just going to be a next level of quarterback competition in the AFC, and it's going to be so much fun to watch. I left that game saying I can't wait to watch these teams play in the playoffs for the next decade because I think that's what you're going to have, and I have no doubt that the Bills are going to find a way to get over the hump at some point simply because Josh Allen is just too good. He's too good to be denied getting over that hump at some point because that offense is built around him. And even though like David was saying that Dave all is probably going to take a head coaching job this cycle, I don't even think it necessarily matters. They'll find a way to win regardless of who that coordinator is. I I do want to quickly move on and just do some quick hits on the other games Uh, before that insane, arguably one of the best playoff games of all time between the bills and chiefs. I was saying, well, that was one of the greatest playoff games I've ever seen between the bucks and Rams and the, definitely the craziest quarter and a half I've ever seen because I just couldn't believe what I was watching. Jim, as that game was unfolding, especially in the second half, did you have any thought that the Rams were actually going to blow it or did you think they would hold on? So I, like I think a lot of people, I was watching, but I wasn't. I kind of zoned out because it was. it seemed like the game was out of hand and I'm just thinking to myself, 
ah, they're not going to blow this. It's fine. That that was way too big of a lead. And everyone's talking about 28 to three in the Falcons. So it's in the back of everyone's mind, but I'm watching that and going, nah, that's all right. And then, then one thing after another happens and then Cam Akers fumbles again. And you're like, are you kidding me? Like, really? And it was, it was so refreshing, I think, to see somebody step up in a moment where they usually crumble under the pressure of Tom Brady. And I know that Matt Stafford doesn't go head to head against Tom Brady, but to see them tie that game and then Matt Stafford just to come out and go dime, dime, game over, we're out of here was so refreshing to see and just such a, a fun football moment for people who have been tortured by the last 20 years of TB12. I had a similar, just cathartic moment when the, I, I don't know why I, the, I, maybe I read this. Maybe I didn't all I could think about a different game, whatever, but you know, Garoppolo missing Emmanuel Sanders by on that exact same throw in the super bowl against the chiefs. And, and it, that was the throw that came to mind immediately. And to see Stafford make it in this incredibly big moment. I mean, I, you know, Stafford, made a lot of money playing for the Detroit lions. So we don't need to feel bad for him, but you know, for the Rams to go all in on him and for him to make that throw to Cooper cup to seal the game was, was, I, I just, I, I was happy for him. I thought it was, I, th- I just thought it was really cool to, to be able to do that on the road. Um, especially against Tom Brady. Um, they turned the ball over four times and still beat Tom Brady. Yeah. That's I yeah, mean, incredible. And, 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 you know, the, the tenor of this game is different. If acres, you know, doesn't fumble twice, obviously we can just isolate that alone. And uh, especially since I think the first one was pretty, pretty deep in bucks territory. Um, but I, uh, I, I, I didn't think the Ram- I, I mean, I thought the Rams looked awful in the second half, but it felt like they were just going to get it together. I, I was pretty impressed with, Stafford in that game and and uh yeah good great game yeah I totally agree and just quickly on the Stafford note I've been saying on this podcast for weeks now if Stafford can find a way to put it all together then this team is going to be really really dangerous and is going to find a way to go very very far in the playoffs and it looks like despite all the evidence leading up to the playoffs it looks like Stafford's finally found his rhythm and and he's the reason why they found a way to win that game because they were just making mistake after mistake after mistake. And it just looked like it was going to be a full-blown meltdown, but Stafford threw him on their, his shoulders and sure enough, Rams are moving on and have a chance to play at home for the Super Bowl for the second year in a row. We could be seeing that, but we'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, the other, another game that obviously was a, a big surprise from anybody who's been paying attention or paying attention to our best bets, the Packers and the 49ers, uh, David, you were feeling ultra confident going into this. I think at one point in our text chain, we all agreed that we didn't really see a way for the Niners offense to keep up with the Packers. And we were right. They didn't keep up with the Packers, but they didn't have to. So when you were watching that game, at what point did you realize, boy, the Packers just don't have it in them? I mean, after that first drive, they made that look so easy. I, I like Rogers, you know, I, after the first drive, you know, I stupidly teased the Packers up to minus nine and a half. And after the first drive, I'm like, Oh God, this is just going to be so easy. This is the blowout that we all thought this is the blowout that we knew that the Packers would have against the Vikings on the Sunday night game in week 17. Like this was just, uh, this just felt preordained all everything I said about Jimmy G. Like I, I sure he was able to grip the football, but he looked awful. He couldn't make a throw. And for whatever reason, I know what, for whatever reason, it's the Niners defensive line really got two Rogers. Um, 
I just, you know, I did not expect Rodgers to not be able to perform like that. And and credit to the Niners' defense uh, for coming out and and showing out. And uh, for the purposes of keeping this short, I I thought we sort of talked about that game in in the right way, other than the fact that Aaron Rodgers didn't didn't really play well. And and credit to the Niners' defense for that. I think it was it was as simple as that. And credit for them for making the. Uh, special teams play that they needed to make to win the game. And as we learned from Steelers bills week one, sometimes all you need is one, one huge play like that. And uh, that can really turn the tide of the game. So uh, honestly, it was, it was a real shocker for me to see Rogers uh, who I obviously had a lot of faith in uh, not quite able to get it done because he was running for his life uh, for most of the second half, especially. What did you see Jim in the lead up to that game? when we were doing the podcast last week, I, I texted you guys that I was starting to talk myself into games. And that was the one, because I was arguing the Niners and it was their defense top 10 across the board is like one of the points I made. And I watched that game while at work and just kept thinking to myself, I can't believe that's actually what's happening here after the first drive, because you watch that first (laughs) drive, like, like David said, and and you just think they're not going to do anything. Then Jimmy G throws that interception going into halftime. And you're like, no way. This is over. I don't, I don't care that it's only seven, nothing or whatever it was going in half. This, this, this game's over. And I was walking around the station when I saw the blocked punt. And I just said to myself, are you kidding me? Not even an offensive touchdown. And they're going to find a way to pull this game out. And They just feel like one of those teams. And, and maybe that's just the way they've been for the last couple of years now, where they're going to be in every game. You can't write them out and you just got to accept the fact that it won't look pretty, but when the two minute warning hits, they're going to have a chance to win it. And they just might, because they're clearly, they've got some sort of karma working for them right now. Yeah, I completely agree. You know, when the injury report came out Saturday and it said that David Bakhtiari, the left tackle for the Packers was going to be out. I thought to myself briefly, you know, that line's not really good. That could be a big problem because Bakhtiari is a beast. They struggled until he came back from his knee injury about halfway through the season. I did not imagine that it would be that way for the last what 55 minutes of the game because it just was unbelievable the way that 49ers defensive line completely dominated the offensive line I, you know look if Rodgers is 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 amazing as everybody says he is and I think he is that amazing but you got to find a way to at least score more than a touchdown in a playoff game at home against the team that can't score at all I mean, the Niners didn't have a single offensive touchdown the whole game. So I definitely think the Niners just find a way to win. They showed it again. And it's really, really hard to bet against this team because of the way they're playing right now. Uh, Bengals Titans, Jim, you have been riding this Bengals bandwagon the whole way (laughs) and they keep proving you right. Uh, Joe Burrow, another impressive performance, especially late in that game. Did that play out the way you expected it to against Tennessee? I guess if we play the tape, it would probably would sound pretty similar to what I said. Are we really going to trust Ryan Tannehill to make the play to win the game? He throws the pick going into the uh, on that last drive to set Cincinnati up. And Burrow did what Burrow has proven to do at this point. And already in the second year, based on his college resume, um, he's not shying away from big moments. And it's impressive to see. And I feel like he's just kind of scratching at the surface of what his potential is. The Cincinnati Bengals had five crash test dummies blocking for him, and he threw for 348 yards. It's incredible. I The dude was running for his life the whole game, and he still lit up the Tennessee Titans. And they only scored 19 points, but he was in control that whole game when he should have been limping off the field after the first quarter. 
So I, like I said last week, they're hard not to like. I like the way that just they are. I like the team. I like their swagger. I like their confidence. It's just a shame that they're in that division. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I'm fully on board, and I'm not surprised at all that they were able to go in there and win. Yeah, I, I came away from that game. I mean, all the all the question marks that we had about the Titans, uh, I, I kind of you know brought up last week, wondering what what the dare dare. Uh, what the Derrick Henry Dante Foreman relationship might be, whether or not that throws some wrenches in the offense. Clearly it, it I don't, something just didn't look right with the, with the Tennessee offense and they didn't utilize AJ Brown. I don't think near as much as they should, or as well as they should have. Um, so yeah, I mean, credit to credit to the Bengals for just continuing to play great defense and, and, and getting it done. And clearly that team, that team doesn't care about its history. And, and that's awesome. I, I'm, I'm, you know, I've, you guys know more than me as Steeler fans, the, the sort of tough history of the Cincinnati Bengals and, and just sort of how much of a difficult, you know, thing it was Andy Dalton going over six in in playoff games and just not being able to get it done. So I, I just, you know, it's, it, they're fun. It, this is fun when they're good and uh, it's been a heck of a ride. So uh, good for them, whether or not they make it to, to the Super Bowl or not. Yeah, completely agree with everything you guys are saying. Joe Burrow is just an absolute monster. I mean, he got sacked nine times in that game. And I think if if I remember correctly, it was actually it would have been 11, except there were a couple late false start penalties where he got sacked, but nobody could hear the whistle. Uh, so he just got absolutely destroyed that whole game. And he comes back and just keeps throwing dart after dart after dart. He didn't throw any touchdown passes, but you know what? He did everything he had to do in that game. Even the interception wasn't really his fault he's just the guy you want back there. And, you know, I think this term's often overused, but I think that team really takes on his personality. And I think you see that because they have a confidence that they haven't had in three decades. And I think it's because of one man and one man only, and that's Joe Burrow. Well, we're going to move on to some of these previews. Kaplan, I'll let you take it away. Back to the mantle for me. Thank you so much. Hey, good job. You still got it. Even, uh, even though you've been out of TV for about six or seven months now, a little out of practice. No, I'd say, I'd say you still got it for sure. Um, all right. So let's talk about these two games this weekend. Uh, we'll go in chronological order here. Uh, Sunday at three is the AFC championship game. Uh, we, we are doing a similar format to what we did last week, except, uh, there's only two games to choose from. And Jim, with your first pick, you decided to argue that you like the Bengals plus seven. Uh, walk us through why that was and what you like about them covering the seven. Don't rewind the last three minutes and just I'll say something different <laughs> this time, I promise. Um, you think back to week 17 and you look at that game and it was in Cincinnati and a lot of things went weird and Zach Taylor got away with one on the goal line when went forward on fourth down and all that stuff that happened in that game when these two teams played. And, and just my thought here is there's nothing to tell me that this won't be a close game. Nothing to tell me that this won't be a close game. Cincinnati has shown that they're not going to shy away from the moment. You could see a team where your quarterbacks in your second year going into on the road and potentially just crumbling in the moment. I don't see that with this team. I'm not going to make parallels to the Steelers of 05 when Ben in his second year went on the road and won three games and won the Super Bowl because it's a completely different type of team. That was a run heavy, don't let the don't have the quarterback in a second year cost you the game 
in this case, it's the quarterback needs to win the game and he's shown that he can. And, and I really think he can. And I think the bigger picture here is you can't sleep on the Bengals defense, what they've done in this playoffs. And it's not just limiting to 16 and 19 points. It's turnovers, splash plays, Mike Hilton out of nowhere off the corner, getting the tip and the interception and, and, and making those splash plays. I've said for a few years now with this new era of the NFL, it's not about how many points you give up. It's how many points you create on defense because the game is so tilted towards offense and scoring. And if you can be the defense that can create one or two turnovers in the red zone or a special teams play like the Niners last week, where they got a touchdown out of it, that's how you completely flip a game these days. And this game will probably be in the high twenties, low thirties. And I trust the Bengals defense to make the play that would flip it over the chiefs defense. The, the Bengals offensive line, I already made the joke. They're, they're trash. They're, they're not good. Burrow was sacked four times the first time they played, but he's clearly shown that he can work around that. And I don't think the chiefs defense is as good as Tennessee's. Mm. Interesting. Mm. Aaron, why are the chiefs going to win by seven or more? So I think Jim just made a really, really good argument. Uh, He's wrong, but it was a really good argument. (laughs) (laughs) So, look, all you got to do, I think, is look at this very simply. The Bengals have played two teams that are not exactly known for scoring a lot of points. They beat the Raiders, who are a solid team, played pretty good defense, scored just enough to win. They beat them. Well done. They beat the Titans. Nobody's accusing the Titans of being an offensive juggernaut, and certainly Ryan Tannehill didn't exactly shower himself in glory, uh, or however that phrase goes, because he just obviously threw away that game. So in this case, I think it comes down to very, very simple numbers. The Bengals have scored three touchdowns in two playoff games. The Chiefs scored more than that in six minutes against the Steelers. They also scored more than that just in the second half against the Bills. This is not the week 16 game or week 17 game where they played where Cincinnati had everything on the line. It was an important game for Kansas city, but it wasn't life or death. The difference between the one seed and the two seed is a lot different between whether you're going to make the playoffs versus being left at home, particularly for a Bengals team. That's been out of the playoffs for the last five years, six years, whatever it's been. So I think that is really the big, big difference that we have here. I think that if you're going to beat Mahomes in Kansas city in Arrowhead, you got to be scoring touchdowns. And while the Bengals have played really, really hard and very admirably, they've been getting everything out of Evan McPherson. He's four for four in field goals in two consecutive games. And if he's required to kick four field goals against the Chiefs, they're going to lose by double digits. That's just a simple fact because there's no way Mahomes is going to let this be a field goal kicking contest, particularly on this stage in the way that offense is clicking right now. During that week 17 game, which as we noted was in Cincinnati, Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, Traverius Ward, Willie Gay, Chris Jones, some of their key contributors were all on the COVID list and had just gotten off. Most of them had not practiced with the team. They were on the road. I said at the time, week 17, I want to know what this game looks like in Arrowhead. We're about to get this game in Arrowhead with the Chiefs being at more full strength. Might they be tired from last week? Sure, but it's a whole week. I have to think that they'll be they'll be ready to play. The Bengals defense is the sixth worst against the tight end. The 
Bengals defense has given up the fifth most receptions to tight ends. They've also given up the sixth most yards to running backs. Jarek McKinnon got seven targets last week, 50 yards against the bills. I think it's like to Aaron's point, it's a first to 35 situation. And it's as simple as that for me. And I just don't know if, if Cincinnati is going to be able to do what they have to do offensively to, to win this game. I, I have to imagine that, that more is going to be done to keep, keep chase at bay uh, and not let him uh, do what he did in week 17. There's uh, seven points feels like a lot, but to me, that line is so high because the, the there's, there's a lot going on beyond just the, you know, five, five and a half that would, it would ordinarily be plus the home field advantage. I, I have to think that, that Vegas might, we might even see that number. I don't know if it's going to go to seven and a half, but it wouldn't surprise me if it goes up. Um, so we'll see. I, I just, uh, yeah, if, if, if the defensive line is able to generate the kind of pressure uh, for the, for the, for the chiefs, then I, I could see this game seven feels like a lot, but it also feels like Kansas city is, is going to, be ready for them. So the points, the, the points for me is the key. And that was the whole basis of the argument. Yeah. Is, yeah, is, yeah. Yeah. I trust I Joe Burrow that. to keep this a game. No, that's, I, that's, that's yeah. my idea. And me making the point, I, me making the point of first to 35 if completely, I, I get on its surface ignores that, but I also just feel like uh, Kansas city, Kansas city has the guns both offensively and defensively to cover that number, I think is, is essentially what I was, what I was sort of getting at with that. All right, so the NFC Championship game after that game against Kansas City and Cincinnati, the Niners travel to the Rams, third matchup of the year. Jim got first pick. He liked Bengals plus seven in terms of arguing that, not necessarily picking that, but arguing it. And Aaron, you really like Niners plus three and a half. All the mojo that they had in Green Bay last week, you 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 like the three and a half. Tell me this. What, what factor is that half playing into, into this decision? And uh, yeah, why, why do you like the Niners so much? It's not any confidence in Jimmy Garoppolo, <laughs> I can tell you that. But no, what it really is, is because we've seen this game two times already. And even if you go back even further, the Niners have beat the Rams six straight games. So for three straight seasons, the Niners have had the Rams number. I, I said this earlier, I'm not necessarily a huge fan of this Niners team, but for whatever reason, they play the Rams really, really tough. They always seem to out-scheme them. I mean, Kyle Shanahan runs a great offense, and it always seems to play very, very well against the Rams. They match up well. I mean, the Rams have one issue that they've always had is their offensive line is decent enough but can be suspect, and the, or excuse me, their offensive line. And the defensive line for the Niners is just next level, and we saw that. I mean, Eric Armstead was destroying the Packers last week. Nick Bosa came back and played a hell of a game. It just seems like... This is one of those teams that just has the Rams number that they just find a way every single week to win. And so when you look at the fact that McVay has had a lot of problems beating Shanahan, the two have a long history together. McVay was the tight ends coach in Washington when Shanahan was the offensive coordinator about a decade ago. So they know a lot about each other and it sure seems like it's played, played out that way. And you know, the Rams, looked really, really sloppy for the final two quarters of that game against the Bucs. The only reason the Bucs got back in that game is because the Rams let them back in that game. And if they make even half of those mistakes against the 49ers, it's easily going to be a field goal game or the Niners are going to win outright. So this to me is just a game where I look at it and say, 
I've watched this game twice already this season. And I watched the Rams choke away the game in week 18 when they had a lot to be playing for. So I watched them choke away, almost choke away a game last week. So given all of that, I just, I don't see how you bet against the 49ers at the very least keeping it close. Fair points. Jim Madalinski, why is Aaron wrong? You know, I saw one of those gambling TikToks today and it was somebody who had parlayed Rams to win and Niners to cover with a bunch of other things. And I thought to myself, that's one of the dumbest things I've ever seen. And then I looked at it again. I was like, you know what? That might not be the worst idea because I didn't see this, but I have had the exact same thought this week. I'm like, do I think the I, that's, that's why I asked about the half. Cause I'm like, wait a minute. Wait. Okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. That's like hitting an inside straight. Like know, the chance right. of that you know, is so going small. to happen. That's where I'm at with this. Oh like, man. Okay. If sorry. I'm to argue, if I'm here to argue Rams minus three and a half in my head, I'm thinking somebody's got to go for two and miss in one of those late game scenarios. These games just, it's the argument I made about the 49ers earlier. They, they hover and they, they always just seem to be there. And, and anybody that's listened to this to the tens of people that listen on a weekly basis knows that I will gladly be the founding member of the Pittsburgh chapter of the Debo Samuel fan club. He's just, he single-handedly can keep teams in game. He threw a touchdown pass, ran for a touchdown and had 94 yards receiving the last time these two teams faced each other. With that said, when I look at it from a Rams perspective, I like to think so much went wrong for them in the second half of that game against Tampa, and they still found a way to win. Matthew Stafford made the throws in crunch time. And all I can think about is what kind of boost does that have to do to Matthew Stafford's confidence? Like he has to be as confident as he has ever been in his career right now knowing that all these people doubted him when he lost four straight playoff games in Detroit. And here he comes in the playoffs and he throws the darts to beat Tom Brady when the game was on the line. That to me could ultimately lead to this game, not being as close as we expect. There's your cliches. It's hard to beat a team three times in one year. All of those things that I like if I'm on the side of the Rams, but really to me, what it comes down to I don't know what they're going to do with Cam Akers. Do you trust him again? I don't know that I do, especially with as good as Sonny Michelle was. They have options. That offense seems to work with a lot of different types of running backs. But Matt Stafford, his confidence level has to be through the roof, and it's hard for me to not see him carrying that over into this game. I I know I texted this to you guys. I just – the Rams O line uh, was without Andrew Whitworth last week. Uh, the the old forty year old left tackle um, looks like he's going to play this week. Uh, Stafford was sacked twice for eleven yards. Uh, Tampa's Tampa's defensive line and linebacking core, much like the Niners, are are the two strengths of their their defense. Um, I in is in watching. I, I just feel like if Stafford gets the time to throw his receivers are going to get open. And in my gut, that that's sort of how I feel. And, and I, you know, I, I trust Stafford um, to, to Jim's point. It is a cliche, but I do think it's hard to beat a team three times uh, in one year. And uh, I, I, my gut, my gut really does. And it's so boring to think both teams are going to cover 
uh, both home teams are going to cover, but my gut feels like Stafford's going to get the time to throw just based on how that O-line looked last week and getting, getting a horse back uh, on the blind side. I, I, my, that, that's really what it boils down to for me. If Stafford has time to throw, I think they win. And I am really excited to see just kind of how that, how that all shakes out. Yes. They, they do have some iffiness, you know, do they, do they stick with acres is, is Michelle more involved? What, what impact will that have on this game? But you know, when, when push comes to shove, I, I just don't see the Niners offense being able to do what they need to do. Uh, and, and I can see the Rams having some success if Stafford has time to throw. So it's a bet. I mean, I, I don't, I, I don't know for sure, you know, that, that, San Francisco's D line is demonstrably better or worse than, than Tampa's. But I, I think scheme wise, both of those defenses are built in somewhat similar ways and have somewhat similar weaknesses. And, and Stafford has the offensive uh, tools to, to be able to win that game. That said, it's plus six thirty eight. If you did want to parlay the cover with the uh, the the Rams money line, uh, I'm not advocating to do that. But but to Jim's point, I I really like the under in this game. Um, I, I think uh, last I checked, it was it was yeah forty six. Um, you know that type of twenty four to twenty game is is certainly you know within the realm of possibility. And I uh, you know I don't know I don't I I I keep coming away thinking that the Rams have the offensive uh, uh, tools in their toolbox to to be able to protect Stafford and get the job done, get the sort of pressure uh, internally against Garoppolo. That's going to force him to make some tough decisions and, and make some throws off schedule and off timing. And look, the Packers defensive line had a pretty good game last week. I mean, we, we, we saw Rashawn Gary in the backfield a lot uh, Smith as well. So I, I just, uh, I, I just see a world where, where this could be close, but the Rams, the Rams have just enough to, to win. Am it's I- funny. I, I didn't even look until you said that. So I didn't know what the line was, but the number in my head that I was going to say was 27, 21 Rams. Just the, just the, the thought that I had where it, it kind of <laughs> falls into that. Maybe you have a two point conversion type thing go wrong where they're trying to get within a score, but that it just feels like it's going to be that kind of game. Yeah. I do think it's going to be within a score. I don't see anybody uh, when this is all said and done being up by more than a touchdown, but yeah, I agree. It's, it's definitely, this one's hard for me to really get a good feel on. I'm not as excited, you know, when, when it was, maybe it was Bill's depression, but whenever I saw like, whenever I was just thinking about the NFC championship game, I'm like, Ugh, I got to watch the Niners again, but I don't know, you know, they could, uh, they, they, they'll make this game interesting. I, I I'm, I'm excited to watch this just from a, from a football perspective and just kind of see how these teams uh, sort of attack one another. It, it, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see sort of what, what the Rams strategy is and what the Niners can manufacture to, to try and keep the Rams defense off kilter. So any final thoughts about these games before Aaron and I recap our last best bets of the season, uh, Jim, any, any thoughts on either of these games? I hope they're half as good as last weekend. I mean, that's, that's really what it comes down to. Um, to all of our points, there's a potential for these to both be duds. I, I don't think that's out of the question. Um, I'm hoping that's not the case. The, the, the first wild card round, I think was a letdown for a lot of us, uh, last week, definitely made up for it. And, uh, I, I feel pretty good that at least one of the games is going to be super tight and I'm looking forward to it. It'll be fun. 
Uh, I do have a preseason bet on the Rams to win the Super Bowl that I will be watching very closely. Uh, that I'm very excited about. Oh, that I'm very much considering uh, my options when it comes to hedges and, <laughs> yes. and ways to guarantee profit. So that, that's that's where I will start trimming those hedges. <laughs> that's where my head will be this weekend. Love it, Aaron. Any final thoughts on the games before we say bye to Jim and and recap these best bets? Uh, just following up on that point, I don't think as a country, we're lucky enough to get another round like we just had. So if these games, as Jim was saying, are just somewhat competitive going into the fourth quarter, I'm going to be pretty happy. Uh, I do think from a gambling standpoint, it's a little, this round's a little bit easier than what we just saw. Uh, but I, look, there are three football games left until September <laughs> and and no, I don't count the USFL. So Given that, I'm going to be locked in the entire time, and I'm just excited. I, I love this time of year, and it's going to be so much fun. Awesome. Jim, be well. Thanks for joining. We'll uh, we'll probably do the Super Bowl recap at some point, so uh, we'll, we'll obviously look forward to chatting with you about that. Um, Aaron, best bets. So we, uh, we have been giving two a week since uh, week 16, I believe. Uh, we, we started seven and two. And then we finished 10 and seven. Uh, you hit both of yours last week. I did not hit any of mine last week. Um, as much as it killed me to, to see the, the Evans and Kelsey, you gave out the Evans Kelsey anytime touchdown score parlay and that hit and the under Tennessee Cincinnati. We, we, we somewhat sweated for a second, but not really. It, we, that game yeah. was pretty ugly the whole time. So great work by you on both of those for sure. Can I just quickly say I felt really, really guilty as your friend Don't, watching just Travis Kelsey stop, just stop. get that game-winning touchdown because I went, oh, yes, my bet hit, and which was followed by, oh, my buddy's going to be really depressed that, for a that while. That was like the fourth thought. I was like, oh, I can't believe that happened. But blah, blah, blah. <laughs> uh, Aaron hit his bet. Nice. <laughs> like I It's was, good for the pod. It was my first happy thought after the, the Bills lost, and it was only like three minutes after the game. So it was all good. So and, and hey, the Mike Evans touchdown was pretty fluky too at the end where at Brady gets that bomb. So the last one I mean, to score. That yeah. bet really had no business hitting, but hey, we'll, uh, we'll take a backdoor. Man, Jalen Ramsey on Debo is going to be interesting if, if they Ooh. shadow him or whatever. I, I'll, I'll be, yeah, that's like one of the things I was talking about. Anyways, uh, yeah, I gave out Bill's money line at Packers minus nine and a half. And uh, as we discussed, both of those, <laughs> the Packers actually never had a chance. I mean, after the first drive, maybe, but it just wasn't happening. And uh, with their, all the special teams woes, whatever, I'm not making excuses. It was a bad bet. And then Bill's money line. I felt pretty convinced that uh, their defense could do a little bit more. And uh, at the end, it turned into a crazy track meet. It didn't happen, but it's all good. Hey, anytime you're convinced you're going to win with 13 seconds left in a game, it's hard to beat yourself up too much on it. There you go. There you go. But again, as we recapped, I was not 100% convinced. Anyways, <laughs> it's always next year. Um, all right. So we're not going to give out these as best bets, but just our thoughts on the game. Uh, I'll go first. I, uh, very begrudgingly like both home teams to cover. Um, and, and I sort of touched on that, uh, on my thoughts and, and just to sum it up, uh, all those kind of stats and, and things again, it feels like the blueprint for, um, Kansas city to be able to attack, uh, the, the Bengals defense with Kelsey and McKinnon, uh, with personnel 
that the Titans nor the Raiders seemed to have and that the Chiefs didn't seem to have uh, in their first meeting uh, with, with those guys kind of coming off of the with McKinnon not really being a factor uh, at all and Kelsey sort of coming off the COVID list. I, I just think uh, Kansas City gets this done at home. Uh, we, we get a good game out of it. We get a, we get a, a high scoring affair that over under is 54 and a half. That's a pretty meaty number. But um, in my mind, I just, I just feel like Kansas City uh, gets the touchdown and the field goal that they need uh, to be able to cover this game. And then my other uh, bet, just the Rams minus three and a half, that half point scares the daylights out of me. I am not going to lie. However, uh, as I touched on, if, if the Rams do a good job of pass protection and they give Stafford the time that he needs, I feel like he's good enough to, to find the plentiful weapons that he has and uh, for them to, to get that, that uh, Shanahan uh, thing off their back and, uh, and kind of uh, take care of business. So uh, yeah, like, like, like both home teams to cover uh, it's a weak amateur bet, but that's how I feel. Aaron, uh, w- what about you? And uh, any, any other things that you're looking at preliminarily that you like? So just, I completely agree with you actually, except I'm going to take a little risk out of it. If, if you wanted to just parlay the Chiefs Rams money line, you're getting plus odds, just plus 103. So just just almost exactly, but, but works out pretty well. Everything you said, I think the two home teams in this case are actually in pretty good shape. As I mentioned before, arguing the Niners, I'm not convinced that the Rams are going to cover that three and a half, but I do feel pretty good that they find a way to win this game. They're at home. They got a lot on the line. I do think this is a different team than what we saw at the end of the regular season. Seems like Stafford has really figured some stuff out. Getting back Andrew Whitworth is going to be really big. Uh, they're getting back uh, one of their safeties as well, which will mean Eric Weddle can play less and not have stupid late hits. There's just, I think, going to be a lot of factors working in the Rams' favor here. Uh, and a lot of, especially too, with Jimmy Garoppolo, I just am not a big believer. I'm going to get to him in a second. But uh, and then with the Chiefs, you know, look, they're playing at home. They're in Arrowhead. Uh, Speaking of a team that has really figured themselves out over the last couple of rounds, boy, the Chiefs look really, really, really good. And uh, it's hard to bet against Patrick Mahomes playing like this. I love Joe Burrow. I think the Bengals are a really good team and going to be a lot of fun to watch for a while. That offensive line is horrendous. That defensive line for the Bengals is pretty good, and the defense has played really well. But what we've seen over and over again against the Chiefs is it's one thing to stop them in the first and second quarter, and it's a totally different thing to stop them halfway through the fourth quarter because that offense just keeps churning it out and finds ways to beat you, particularly when you're gassed. We saw that last week against the Bills. I suspect we're going to see something similar. So play it safe, take the money line, parlay those two together. And then for my other quick thing that I really like, uh, amazingly, Jimmy Garoppolo is his passing over under passing yardage is 222 and a half. Now to give you an idea about why I feel like that number is pretty out of whack. uh, He's thrown for 303 yards in two playoff games combined with zero touchdowns and two interceptions. And if we know anything about Jimmy Garoppolo is that he will throw at least one horrible interception each game. It always comes at what seemingly at the time is the worst possible moment to throw a pick. He had a terrible one against the Cowboys when they were making their comeback that certainly fueled that. He had another terrible pick against the Packers right at the end of the first half when the Niners pretty much had their only decent offensive drive. He throws throws one right in front of the goal line and certainly terrible pick, uh, throws it off his back foot. So I think if the 49ers are, have a chance of winning this game outright, it's going to be by doing what they do best getting the ball into Debo Samuel's hands, largely by running it and handing the ball to Elijah Mitchell as much as possible. They know Jimmy Garoppolo is a problem and they're not going to let 
Jimmy Garoppolo have the ball in his hands when it really, really matters, unless they absolutely have to. So I think 222 and a half is way, way, way too high. And I'm taking the under in that. Love it. That concludes the uh, conference championship T's and TDs preview. Thank you so much. If you're listening for tuning in, uh, we'll come up with the schedule, uh, given the fact that we won't have a game next week to talk about, uh, plenty of teas to talk about though. So we'll obviously, uh, bring on a guest for that, uh, as well, but, uh, thanks so much for tuning in everybody. And, uh, we'll talk to you soon.